I guess it was probably up to about 450 years ago or so, most people thought that the earth, or that the sun, revolved around the earth. There was a guy named Aristarchus way back like 20 centuries ago that had proposed the idea that the, that the earth actually rotated and revolved around the sun, but he was, nobody ever kind of really picked that up. I guess it was about uh, 1573 when Copernicus finally came out with his idea that the earth actually revolved around the sun. It's what's called heliocentrism. The sun is at, at the center. About 50 years later, Galileo came along, and he kind of added to that. He said, not only does the earth revolve around the sun, but you have all these other planets that are revolving around it as well. And the idea wasn't very well accepted at that time. They took Galileo, and they actually put him in jail, and they kicked him out of the church. So you can see what the church had to think about science. Now, it seems to me that today, about 500 years later, that, that things really haven't changed a whole lot, right? There are some people out there who still think that they're the center of the universe and that everything revolves around them. And unfortunately, I think there's even some Christians that can, that can kind of have that attitude sometimes. Now, today we're going to be talking about rights, and I'm so glad that we live in a country where we have all kinds of rights. But the fact that we're also citizens of the kingdom of heaven sometimes makes it really difficult to understand how we're to, to kind of respond to those ideas of our rights. Like I say, I'm thankful that I live in this country. I'm thankful that our founding fathers chose to, to write down in some of our founding documents the kind of rights that we have as a people. We know that the first ten amendments to the Constitution are known as the Bill of Rights. And I don't want to do anything to lose those rights. I think those rights are really important. So I don't want them to be taken away. I don't want to lose them. But at the same time, those of us who are disciples of Jesus, we're members of another kingdom. We're members of the kingdom of Jesus. Paul reminds us about this. This is probably a really familiar passage to most of us in Philippians chapter 3. He writes this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the principles of the kingdom of heaven is that often we need to yield our rights. We need to give up our rights for the good of other people. And sometimes the ideas of those two kingdoms, they conflict, don't they? And I'm here to tell you, I understand how hard it is sometimes to, to reconcile those principles that often seem to, to clash with each other. And that's why I'm really thankful for the passage that we're going to look at this morning. It's a passage in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you want, might want to go ahead and begin to turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in this passage, Paul's going to give us some really practical advice about how we choose between rights and how we choose when to give up our rights and when we choose to hang on to our rights. Now, because we're in a, a sermon series that we're wrapping up today called Selfless, some of you probably already guessed where I'm going to go with this this morning, right? But before we make up our mind, let's let the Scripture speak to us. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse 23. And I'll go through the first uh, verse of chapter 11. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. 
Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. So I'm going to actually begin this morning with um, the, uh, the main idea that we want to develop together, and here's what that idea is, that insisting on my rights is not always right. And insisting on my rights is not always right. I'm going to begin by talking here about the, the last verse in this passage, verse 1 of chapter 11. And, and most of you understand that when the Bible was written, there was no verse numbers, there were no chapter breaks in there. As a matter of fact, what Paul wrote here was a letter, and when he wrote the letter, he didn't sit down and start writing verse numbers in there, or even breaking it up by paragraphs. So... So it's really important to understand this verse really goes with everything at the end of chapter 10. And that's why I'm really glad that like the ESV and a lot of the other more modern translations, they've chosen to break the the paragraph after this because it goes with it. It explains the whole reason really for everything that Paul's written up till now. And he makes a really bold statement here, doesn't he? As a matter of fact, I think it kind of borders on arrogance. He says, be imitators of me. I mean, who, who, which one of us is going to say, be an imitator of me? But the key is to look at the entire command here. He says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. And that's really the key here. It's to imitate Christ. And it reminds me again of, of Philippians chapter 2. And I hope some of you actually took the time to read that this week. That was kind of your homework assignment last week. And in that, in that section of Philippians chapter 2, we see the example of Jesus. And we see that Jesus willingly gave up some of His rights. He gave up the right to receive worship in heaven, to receive glory in heaven. And He did that willingly so He could come down here to earth and to put on a body of flesh and to die on a cross, not because He deserved it, but because He loves us so much. That's the very definition of of biblical love, a word that we often use the Greek word agape to describe. It's this kind of self-giving love. And that's what we're to to follow here. That's the kind of example that we're to to follow. Now Paul's going to take a little different approach to this idea of agape love. He's going to give us an illustration of what that looks like in real life. That's why this passage is so helpful to us. I'm glad that Paul wrote this down so we would have this this understanding. And what he does is he takes an illustration here. And it's an illustration that doesn't seem very relevant to us, right? It's this this illustration of eating meat offered to idols. Now, how many of you guys struggle with that? 
Like when you go down to Fry's to buy a nice big juicy steak or a rack of baby back ribs, do you sit there at the meat counter and think, I wonder if this meat was sacrificed to idols? I don't think so, right? I I don't think about that. I think about what it's going to taste like when I eat the thing, you know? And so it's not something that we really deal with today. But the idea of our conscience and how we deal with that, which is really at the heart of this, that is something that we still struggle with today, right? Something that we still have to deal with today. And this passage is going to be really helpful in helping us to understand how to do that. Helping us to understand when we need to hang on to our rights and when we sometimes need to give them up for the good of other people. I want to make this really practical this morning. So what I've done is i put together a little chart, and that chart is in your sermon outline. It's up on the screen behind me. You'll notice I haven't left a lot of blanks for you to fill in today because I want you to just kind of pay attention and to listen. You're free to write down your own notes that might help you to understand you know, what this says, but we're going to be dealing today with some questions of, of how to make decisions. And we're going to be dealing particularly with how to make decisions that the Bible does not particularly speak to. Now, there's some things in the Bible that are very clear. And that's why the first question that I want to ask is this. Does the Bible prohibit it? There are some things that the Bible very clearly prohibits. The kids came up with some of those this morning. And where the Bible speaks to those issues, I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to worry about my conscience. The Bible is really clear about those things. If I'm wondering whether I should marry an unbeliever, if I'm wondering whether I should engage in in sexual immorality, if I'm wondering whether I should cheat or steal or lie, the Bible's really clear. It's also really clear on some other sins that sometimes we're kind of okay with, right? Like gossip or maybe uncontrolled anger or greed or lust. When it comes to those things, the Bible is really clear. So that's not what I'm talking about today here. We're not talking about, we're talking about those, those kind of gray areas of life where the Bible doesn't speak to those. And that, that list is huge, right? It's pretty much endless. Let me just give you just a couple of examples that might help you to, to kind of understand what we're going to be talking about this morning. How about this question? Should Christians participate in Halloween? Or this one, should you have a Christmas tree up? Because some people say that the Christmas tree came from pagan origins. Should you even celebrate Christmas? I mean, the Bible never says celebrate the birth of Jesus, does it? How about Easter eggs? Is it okay to have an Easter egg hunt? Or even use the word Easter. The word comes, again, from pagan origins. Is it okay for a Christian to to drink alcohol or to smoke cigarettes or to to use marijuana recreationally now that it's legal here in Arizona? Is it okay for a Christian mom and wife to work outside the home? Or here's one that a lot of us have been dealing with lately. Should I get the COVID vaccine or any other vaccine for that matter? And so these are the kind of questions that we're going to deal with today and and how we make decisions and how we do that in a way where we sometimes have to give up some of our rights for the good of other people. So as I say, the first question that we have to ask, does the Bible prohibit it? If the Bible prohibits it, then we flat out, we just don't do it. That's pretty clear, right? That's pretty easy. The next question is, is does it violate my conscience? Does it violate my conscience? And this section doesn't deal with it a lot. He deals with it somewhat here, primarily in terms of, 
you know, if you go down to the meat market and you understand that this meat was sacrificed to an idol and that violates your conscience, then, then don't go ahead and do that. And that's always a good rule of thumb. If something violates your conscience, if you have developed some, some convictions about something, don't go against those convictions. That's what he's saying here. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Let's say that every year, you put up a Christmas tree, right? A lot of us do that, celebrate Christmas together. But then someone comes along one day and they say to you, you know what, did you realize that Christmas trees, that they're pagan? What? I never thought of that. And so you go and you begin to do some research on that and you find out, yeah, it, it originally came from some, from some pagan practices that were done. But you, real, you, you do that and you go, you know, but that's not how I look at a Christmas tree. Go ahead and put your Christmas tree up. But if you research it some more and you think, man, now every time I look at that tree, all I can think about is some pagan practice, then don't violate your conscience. I, it's really interesting to me here. Paul basically says, don't go too far to try to to figure stuff out that's going to violate your conscience. He says, when you go to the eat with a, a pagan, don't ask him where the meat came from. He says, because then you're going to dig in and maybe you can't enjoy a nice steak, you know, because you know where the meat came from. And I think sometimes in our lives what we do is we, we can dig into things so much that almost anything we do in our life, we could make it violate our conscience in some way. And he's kind of warning against that here. He says, don't, don't go so far. I mean, if God puts it on your heart, by all means, don't violate your conscience. But don't go to great lengths to try to make everything around you violate your conscience. So now we really get to the heart of the message here. Should I, should I go ahead and, and relinquish my rights or should I hang on to my rights? Should I go ahead and demand them? And before we get to the four questions that we're going to look at here, it's important to understand that at the heart of this is this idea of love. That should always be my motivation. My love for other people, my love for God, and even what I would call a healthy love of self. Now we've been talking in this series about a different kind of love, this selfish kind of love that's always what's in it for me, but there is, there is a healthy kind of love of self. And we're going to see that in just a moment. So we need, to, we need to ask these four questions that I think will help us to determine, do I hang on to my rights or do I go ahead and, and give them up? And here's the first question that we want to ask. Is this one here? Will it hinder my spiritual growth? Now, Paul deals with this here at the very beginning of this passage. He says, all things are lawful or permissible depending on your translation. In other words, he's talking about things here that aren't prohibited by the Bible. He says they're all lawful. He says, but they're not all helpful. He says they're all lawful, but they don't all build up. Now in the very next verse, in verse 24, he's going to say that this is primarily because of the impact it has on other people. But I think it's also implied here that, that there's, a, there's something of our own spiritual growth that's in mind here as well. And so if something's going to hinder my spiritual growth, then, then I shouldn't hang on to my rights at that expense. Let me give you an example. I think it's a good thing to exercise, right? Some of you might not agree with that. I, I get it. But it's a good thing to do that. 
It's healthy. It's good for our body. It's permissible. But there's a guy at the gym that Mary and I go to that no matter what time, I go at different times of the day, usually in the afternoon, but no matter what time of the day I go, that guy's always there. And I come to find out he's there three times a day, every day, for like a couple hours. Now, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know anything about his life. For him, that might be fine. I know for me, that would, that would hinder my spiritual growth because all that time I spent at the gym, I got to take that time away from something else in my life, right? And what's likely to suffer if I, if I don't have enough time? I'm probably not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to study the Bible. I'm not going to do the things. That I'm not going to gather with other Christians the things that would lead to my spiritual growth. So I answer that question. I say, yeah, I, I shouldn't do those things. Now, it might be fine for someone else, but for me, that would be something that I, even though I have the right to do it, even though it's permissible, it wouldn't be something I should do. The second question that I want to ask is this, will it harm a brother? He deals with this in verse 24 at first. He says, you know, I want you to do things that are for the good of others, not just for your own good. Don't just look out for yourself, look out for other people too. And then he deals with it again in terms of this, if you're going to go to to dinner with a pagan, he basically says, if they invite you over to dinner, please go ahead and go over to dinner. It says, but when you go there, it says that someone might tell you that this meat had been offered to idols. Now, we don't know who the someone is. Could be the host. Could be another believer that's there with you. Could be an unbeliever. I think Paul leaves it intentionally vague, as he often does, because he wants it to apply broadly. But let's just suppose for a minute that it's another brother or sister that's there with you. He says, if they come up to you and they tell you, This meat has been offered to idols. He said, then, don't hang on to your right to eat that meat. He says, not for the sake of your conscience, but for the sake of his conscience. So we don't ever want to do anything that's going to violate the conscience of someone else that's going to harm a brother or sister in Christ. We had a very practical example of that here at Thornydale Family Church. I'm going to go back to the example of the Christmas tree again. Many years ago, we had a leader in this church who who had personal convictions about Christmas trees and that, that wouldn't put up a Christmas tree and thought that, you know, because of the pagan origins that that's not something they were going to do or their family. And out of respect for that person's conscience, we had several years here at the church where we did not put up a Christmas tree. Now, did we have a right to? Absolutely. Is there anything in the Scriptures that would violate? Absolutely not. But for the sake of another brother, we chose not to do that we chose not to hang on to our rights and sometimes that's what we have to do we might have the right to do it but if it's going to harm another brother I'm not going to do it the third question to ask is this is it going to rob God of his glory it's going to rob God of his glory it's really interesting here when he talks about God's glory in verse 31 he he says whatever you do Whether you're eating or drinking or anything else, give glory to God. And what he's telling us here is that everything we do in life is either going to give glory to God or it's going to rob God of his glory. But what's God's glory, right? That's a good question to ask. I like how Charles Ryrie, the theologian, he he defines it. He defines um, God's glory like this. He says God's glory is his reputation, To live for God's glory means to live so that God's reputation is enhanced, 
heightened in quantity and quality and not diminished in any way. I think that's a good definition. So the question I have to ask is, what I'm about to do, even though I have a right to do it, is it going to increase God's glory or is it going to decrease it? And I'll admit that's kind of a subjective judgment, isn't it? Hard to know. And here's a test that I found works for me. It might work for you. Maybe you'll find something else. But here's the question I like to ask. Is this something I can ask God to bless? I think if it's something that I could ask God to bless, then it's possible that God can get glory out of that, that His reputation can be increased. But if I can't honestly say, God, would you bless this activity that I'm about to participate in, then that means probably it's going to rob God of some of His glory, and I probably shouldn't do it. One last question that we need to ask, and that is this. Will it hinder the gospel? Will it hinder the gospel? So he gets to at the end, he says, you know, my goal here is that people would be saved. And if there's something that I'm going to do that's going to hinder people from being saved, then, then I'm going I'm to refrain from that. I'm not going to exercise my rights when it comes to that. We see it here in this, this passage, you know, the whole idea that if I'm going to do something that's going to cause someone else to violate their conscience, if I'm going to do something that's going to keep somebody away from the gospel and hinder it, Paul says, I'm not going to do those things. I think there are two, two major ways that Christians unnecessarily hinder the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that the gospel by itself is offensive, isn't it? I'm not saying here, I mean, Paul never waters down the gospel. Paul never, never refrains from talking about the seriousness of sin. As a matter of fact, this whole letter that he writes, it's all about the sin that's going on in the church there in Corinth, so he's not afraid to, to call them out for their sin. He's not saying that there's some other way to God other than Jesus Christ. He's very clear that that's the only way to God. Look at chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians where he talks about the resurrection of Jesus and says, if that's not true, then we're all in big trouble. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of a summary of the chapter. So I'm not talking about this, but there, there are a couple of ways that I think as, as Christians that we often unnecessarily offend people. The first way is this, and you've probably heard this before, too many times Christians are known for what we're against rather than what we're for. I think that's true. Now, there's some things going on in our culture we absolutely ought to be against. But there's different approaches to this. Let me give you an illustration again. The Bible's really clear that abortion is wrong. I think we would all agree on that, right? It's the murdering. It's the taking of an innocent life. It's very clear in the Scriptures that that's not to happen. But there's a couple different ways as Christians that we can approach that. One is we can go out in front of an abortion clinic and we can protest. Or some Christians have even taken it further than that. They've bombed abortion clinics. They've tried to kill abortion doctors and things like that. Or there's a different approach. And some of you in this room are involved in that with an organization like Hands of Hope. What that organization does, it goes out and it ministers to young women who find themselves pregnant and making a decision about what to do with that pregnancy. And they're not judgmental. They love and they care for that person. They let them know that God loves them very, very much. Now, which of those two approaches do you think 
is going to put up a barrier to the gospel and which one is going to take the barriers out of the way? I know what I would answer when it comes to that. So I think sometimes we need to make be known more what we're for. We're for loving people. We're for people. We're for having Jesus come into their life and change their life rather than all the stuff that we're against. The other area, frankly, is politics. And, and it seems like more and more in our country that, that we have some Christians who are so, hanging on so much to a particular party or, or candidate that they get, they get downright nasty with people who have differing and opposing views. Now, I know I've been guilty in the past of a, hopefully not being nasty and mean to people, but of using politics to put up a wedge between me and other people, and I'm trying really hard not to do that. I mean, Christians ought to be involved in politics. We ought to vote. We ought to support candidates who support, support biblical principles. But I, I'm convinced that the way we treat other people who have differing views is far more important than what our politics are. So we've seen this morning that insisting on my rights is not always right. This is the, the fourth message that we've seen in this series. And, and I want you to make this really practical as we close this series this morning. So I want to remind you of the four things that we've talked about over these last four weeks. And the four messages. We began by talking about how we need to be bold in our witness. We talked about how we need to be faithful in our service. Ryan shared with us a message of how we need to be extravagant in our generosity. And now this morning we've seen how we need to be willing to yield our rights out of love for other people and out of love for God. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. I want you to consider those four things. And I want you to pick out the one that you struggle with the most. Some of us probably don't struggle with some of these. I know, I know some of you here that are faithful servants. One of you was out here helping me put together picnic tables the other day. Right, Gene? <laughs> and there's a lot of others of you here that are faithful. There's many of you here I know that are extravagant in your generosity. I know some of you who are bold in your witness, and I know some of you who are really, really willing to give up your rights for the good of other people. But probably there's one of those that you struggle with the most. So what I want you to do is just to write that down. And then I want you to to go back and just review the message on that, whichever message it was. You might still have some notes from that message. You can go to the website. You can go to Faith Life and find the sermons. You can watch them. You can listen to them. We have a podcast. There's a lot of different ways. And then I want you to consider what is one thing that I can do, one concrete step that I can take in my life to improve in that area. Just one. And write it down. And then finally, the most important thing is to do it. If you only write it down, it won't do you any good, but to actually go ahead and do it. And I really believe that that God will use that in your life to help you to become more selfless rather than selfish. We began this sermon series four weeks ago with these words from Jesus from Luke chapter 9. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That is not the way of this world, but it is the way of Jesus.
But Jesus hasn't asked us to do anything that he hasn't already done. He willingly gave up his rights to come here to this earth to die on a cross, not because he deserved it, but because he loves us so much. Let us be imitators of Christ in all that we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such a practical passage. I know every day that that many of us struggle with this whole idea of how do we make these decisions in life. And I just pray today that that from your word you would help us to, to make wise decisions. You would help us to understand that it's not always good to hang on to my rights. There are some times when we just, we need to let go of those, Father, for the good of others, for the good of your kingdom. And even for our own good, Father. Lord, help this message to just be really practical for each person here today. Pray your Holy Spirit would guide each one of us this week as we consider this whole series and and think about how to apply it in our own lives. I pray that you would help each person to do that in a way that would bring you glory, that would increase your reputation, Father. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.